0: Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church Bible Study. Yes, I know we're supposed to be starting at 6.30, and yes, I know it's 5.45, we're starting 45 minutes early. But the reason is, is because a couple of things in my heart I wanted to share with my friends out there. And sad to say, since you didn't know it was starting so early, you're probably not there, but hopefully it'll be up on the recording so you can catch this. So I wanted to share with you something new, a new thing that I discovered about the pre-trib Rapture. Uh, As you know, I do not think that there is going to be a rapture to pull people out so that they can avoid any of the testing. As you know, uh, Revelation chapter two or three says, be thou faithful unto death and I'll give thee uh, a crown of life. Well, when I was speaking in Honduras, I saw something I'd never seen in the scriptures and I want to show that to you tonight. Now, yes, we are going to start Matthew chapter six, but I want to show you something. Okay, so first, let's go to First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Now, this is the great pre-trib scripture. Now, there's a couple words you got to remember here because I got to take you to two different scriptures, two different places. Behold, I show you a mystery: we shall not all sleep. Okay, so apparently, someone had to. Ask, here, let me back up. Uh, now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, our new glorified body is the only way we get to go into the new world, into eternity. Flesh and blood doesn't enter into it. Cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Neither death, corruption inherit incorruption. So he's saying you can't get into heaven with this soul, heart beating, blood pumping, flesh and bone body. Can't do it because the new one will be a spirit body, a glorified body. So he goes on to say, Behold, i show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. So apparently someone had asked him, Does everybody die before Jesus returns? We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, that change is talking about moving from a blood pumping to a light body, from a mud body to a light body. And we shall all be changed. How in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Now, that's the point I want to make. At the last trump, how many trumpets are there in the book of Revelation? At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's when we get our glorified body. Now, let me jump to another one. Let's go to First uh, Thessalonians 4.16. For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout. Remember that word. So I want you to remember trumpet. I want you to remember shout. Okay. So when he returns, he will return, descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. What trump would that be? That would be the last trump. Trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain alive on the earth. That's what they're saying. In other words, we didn't go to the marriage step of the Lamb, but you and I will. So I don't think this is even talking to us. I think that this is the people that are not ready when the bridegroom cometh. Bridegroom cometh at midnight. Okay. We who are alive are made to be caught up with them in the clouds, and so shall we meet the Lord there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the question is, and a couple of things I want you to see here: there's a shout. There's a voice of the archangel and a trump of God. The other one said that at the last trump here, I'll make sure that you understand. Let's go to First Corinthians 15, 52 is actually where it is. At the last trump. Now, I had someone when I was in Honduras, one of the churches say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the, the rapture? So I had, expl- I had to explain the rapture right there in the middle of my talk. So if you go to Revelation, if I remember right, 11, 15, no, 10, 7. I hope I got it right. Yes. Okay, so Revelation 10, 7 says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So how many trumpets are there? Seven. Okay, so when it says the last trump, would that be the fifth one, sixth one, or the seventh one? Answered, that would be the seventh one. The last trump would be the seventh trump. Then let's go to another scripture. Revelation 11, 15. And the seventh angel sounded. So we're now talking about the same seventh trump. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of the Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay, so if this was at the beginning of the tribulation, could that be true? Is that when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of the Lord and his Christ? No. Is that when he will reign forever and ever, starting at the beginning of the tribulation? No. How about the middle? No. Okay, so when does Jesus start reigning? I'll show you. Okay, let's go to... Revelation 19. And after these things, I heard a great voice of a bunch of people in heaven. That's us. That's me and you, okay? And we just attended the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'll show you. Saying, hallelujah, salvation. Why do we say salvation? We say salvation because we just got it. We just got our wedding garments. And whatever body, but not the glorified body yet, we get to somehow, I don't understand what it is. Bible doesn't tell us, but it's not the glorified body yet. We get to go, those that are ready, get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Salvation, let me read it again. For after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, "Hallelujah!" salvation, glory, honor, and power. To who? To the Lord our God. Okay, so does Jesus have, Glory, honor, and power right now? No, he doesn't have all power. Oh, yes, he does. No, he doesn't. I'll show you. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he had judged the great whore. That means this is my opinion, either on or the day of when the bombs come down from the Russians. I believe that's when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In other words, on the Feast of Pentecost, and this is what Vicky Parnell was shown. When the bombs come down, we go up, we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's not a rapture because that's about four months before Jesus returns and everybody has been tested by then. True and righteous are his judgment for his judge, the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication. In other words, America is destroyed because she was supposed to be the city on a hill that takes the gospel to the world and instead she made filthy movies, porn, all sorts of stuff that has caused the world to fall away from Jesus. That's why he judges us. Surprisingly, it is not because of our abortions, and that would be enough, but that's not the reason. Which did corrupt the earth with a fornication, hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. It means, by this time, most Christians are already dead. I'll read it again. For he hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. It's not a pre of rapture. No one is getting to avoid the testing. We are all tested. And again, he said, Hallelujah, and our smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen. Wait a minute, i pushed the wrong button. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you servants, and neither fear him, both small and great. What's going on? Here's what's going on. And I heard a voice as were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings. That's you and me. We are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. At this point, it's about four months before Jesus returns for Armageddon. At this point, the seventh trumpet has not sounded yet. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor in him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, that's you and I, hath made herself ready and it is granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, Blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said unto me, These are the true saints of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. He said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. In other words, this is not an angel. This is one that at one time lived on the earth, has come now to John to show him these things. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. for the testimony of Jesus is the Spirit of Prophecy, and that's where we get the name of our church, Spirit of Prophecy Church. Now, here it is. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. So between here and here, between this verse, there's approximately four months that pass. This is when Jesus now has been brought. But here, let me show you that. Okay, let's come back to Revelation 19.11. Okay, let's go to... I may have to search for that. Hang on here. Sometimes I push the wrong button. Uh, I want to go to this, and I want to search for... It's Daniel 7 is what I'm looking for. There we go. So this is Jesus being brought being brought before the father, where he's going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. This is the way Daniel described it. I beheld till I saw the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. Okay, that's the father. His garment was white as snow, his hair, hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, his wheels as burning fire. Okay, I think something went wrong. I'll say somebody out there needs to text me and let me know you're getting audio and video. Are you getting audio and video now? Yes, we are. Okay, okay, great. We got it. Okay, let me let me continue then. Sorry, I I, I clicked the wrong button. Oh, I'm not an expert at this. Okay, share screen. I want to show you this. And I want to show you this in this mode. Now see if I'm showing you all of that here. I'm not real good at this. I don't know if you're seeing that or not. I'm so lost in this thing here. I don't know. I don't know if you're seeing that or not. (laughs) Someone said, we thought you were raptured away. Okay, yes, I see the chart. Okay, great, great. All right, I assume you see it then. All right, let me go to the chart. Uh, I'm going to go to full screen so you can see it. Okay, so this is in the back of all of my books. And when Jesus, here, okay, let, let me back up. Okay, so Revelation 14.1 says, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. That's Revelation 6.1. Let's go to Revelation 14.1. Uh, And I saw a lamb stand upon the Mount Sinai with him, 144,000, having his father's name written in the forehead. That happens here. This is where the next time Jesus returns to the earth, he returns on first fruits. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. It takes me a long time. Again, I've tried explaining this by audio and video, and like the vision told me some things, cannot be understood by audio and video some of them have to be read and that's why he told me to write the book so if you really want to understand what you're looking at if you really want to understand bible prophecy okay your chart is not showing but it it was but not now okay all right hang on hang on hang on hang on see if I can do this here present share screen Window. Ah, now. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm butchering this thing here. Okay, let me start again. I looked at Revelation 14 1. I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sinai, and with him a 144,000, having his father's name written in the forehead. That happens here on first fruits. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. So the 144,000 one year old Jewish boys are the first ones to be, are you seeing this? Sean, send me a text. Let me know if you're seeing this. They're the first ones to get their end time body. I'll call it that way, because I, I don't think the glorified body arrives until here. But it's some kind of an end time body. Then they walk around with Jesus. Yes, okay, you're saying, okay. You walk around with Jesus to Pentecost. On Pentecost, according to my understanding, what Vicky Parnell said, as the bombs come down, we go up, and that matches. As a matter of fact, maybe that'll be the next thing I explain before we get started into the Bible study. So, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we are in our what I'll call the end time body, not our glorified body. The only thing we get is a white wedding garment. And Jesus, however, it's all about Him. This is His coronation. This is what He's been waiting two thousand years for. He is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is when He changes from Lamb to Lion from prince of the kings of the earth to become a king of kings and lord of lords. He has given many crowns, a vesture dipped in blood, and a white horse. And for four months, he comes forth and he serves us. And that I mean, that's the reason Peter said, well, I'm, I'm never going to wash your feet. Then you have no place with me. He said, why? Because in the kingdom of heaven, that's what it's about. It's about serving others. It's about putting everybody else ahead of yourself. And that's the reason Jesus is the best example. He comes forth and serves us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So he has just been crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. Then he comes forth and serves us for about four months. Then at the end of the four months, he is given a white horse along with the armies in heaven, along with us. And we are in tow behind him. So it's Jesus. He has the morning star. And then there's two more angels behind behind him. They have the sharp sickles, and they slash the grapes. Jesus burns the tares. The two angels with the sickles slash the grapes. The morning star is like a lightsaber. It's like a light laser beam, and it, it burns everything it touches. They fall to the ground a pile of ashes and bones, whereas the two angels with the sharp sickles, they slash the grapes. The blood comes out and rises at the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs. That's what happens here. This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is judgment by fire. Some people's works that were not of Jesus will be burned up, but themselves they will be saved. Then the earth shakes for 10 days. Then here is the great white throne. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the judge. Both places. He is the judge. Matthew 5, 12, I believe it says that the Father judges no man, but has given all judgment unto the Son. So at the great white throne, this is where the dead that never had the opportunity to receive Jesus, they are judged. Now, let me escape out of that. Okay, here, hang on. I'm going to try to do this right here for a change. It ought to be able you could switch a lot faster, and it probably is, I just don't know how to do it. Okay, so here we go. The armies which are in heaven, that's what we're just talking about, followed him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that's the morning star. And with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a the rod of iron. We talked about this, I think it was last week. The rod of iron means if you break one law, a morning star judge shows up, hits you with the morning star, you fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. Meaning, nobody breaks any of his laws. Okay. That's what it means, rod of iron. Who's he saying that to? It's not us. We can't sin ever again. We never sin again. We never, hunt, never hunger again, never thirst again. Neither shall the sun light on us nor any heat. For the land which is in the midst of the throne shall feed us and lead us into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from our eyes. That's not talking about us. That's talking about those people that did not receive the mark of the beast. So they're not tossed into the lake that burns the fire and brimstone for all eternity. But they didn't receive Jesus either. So their name's not in the book of life. So they are the nations. They are allowed to live up to 1,000 years. But if they sin, Morning Star judge shows up, hits them with the Morning Star, and poof, they're gone. So now let's go back to, this is Jesus coming at the Feast of Trumpets. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations, he should rule them with a rod of iron, he treadeth the winepress. The winepress, that's the whole point. For God has put in their heart to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. God puts in their heart to form a world government, a world military, a world religion. Why? So he can bring them down to attack Israel and Armageddon. where he'll destroy them in a minute. In the twinkling of an eye at the seventh trump. So it goes on to say, rod of iron, he treadeth the wine press. That's Armageddon, of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture, that's here, okay? On his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why didn't he have it before? Because he hadn't been to the marriage Supper yet. But now he is not Prince of the King, Prince Prince of the Kings of the Earth anymore. He's now king of kings and lord of lords. Now look what he does. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Come, gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of horses. Um, Hang on. Getting messages here. And uh, eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of horses. And then they sat on them. And let's see, where was I here? Mighty men, flesh of horse and them that sat on them, flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. I saw the beast, as in the Antichrist. I saw the beast of the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and his army. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of this, when the Antichrist thinks he's going to lead all of the world to go down to attack little Israel and going to destroy them, I mean, you know, Satan's not too smart. I know he's read this, and he knows it's true. But he's still going to bring all the people down to get themselves destroyed. That's what he does. So the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them, with which he deceived them that had uh, received the mark of the beast and them that had worshipped his image. And these both were cast into the lake, burning with fire and brimstone. And the remnant were slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse. That's the morning star. Sat on the mouth with all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So what happens is, Let me play this back again. Let me go to my chart again, if I can get there. So hard to get there. Let's see if I can get there. I'm going to try to do it a little smoother here. Okay. Go here, 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 and here, and there. Okay, so there's my chart. A little smaller. Okay, so Jesus returns here, 144,000 on Mount Zion, which by the way is not the Mount of Olives. It's about a 30 minute walk from the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives happens here. This is Mount Zion. Two mountains, two different returns. So he resurrects 144,000 one year old Jewish boys that are without fault, have no guile in their mouth, they follow the Lamb with us wherever he goeth. And then for 50 days, they walk around. Bible doesn't tell what they do, but they're probably trying to recruit this stiff necked Jews into receiving Jesus, because right in here is the everlasting gospel. This is where the angel flies through the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell in the earth. To every people, nation, country, do saying with a loud voice, worship, fear God, worship him, made heavens and the seas and the fountains of waters. So that is their last chance. And then in my opinion, the Russian bombs come down here, we go up. And that sounds like a pretty reasonable understanding to me. Then out here is the judgment of fire or the the Armageddon. This is all Armageddon here. For 10 days, the earth shakes. Every high place falls, every low place uh, fills in, the valleys. Well, crooked places are made straight, the rough places are made smooth. The earth turns into a nice round, smooth ball. Boy, I don't even know if you're even getting this. I'm not very good at this. Well, I should have been doing it like, well, that's all right that's all right. Anyway, you get the point. Anyway, so the earth shakes for 10 days. Then this is the final judgment right here. This is the day of atonement. Now, according to Terry Bennett, he says the tribulation started on October the 5th of 2022, which is the Feast of Atonement. So that would actually be correct. And then if it starts on atonement, it would end on atonement. So out here, this is where I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books according to the works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in it. They were judged, every man according to the works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life are cast into the lake of fire. Then, five days later, this is on tabernacles, this is when John says, I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven of the first earth passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy Jerusalem, new Jer- Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice of heaven say, Behold, the tabernacle of God. Notice it says tabernacle because it happens on tabernacles. Okay? <laughs> the tabernacle of God is with men. He shall be with them and dwell with them and they shall be with him and be their, and, and he shall be their God. That's why we all tears in the ride. There should be no more sorrow to crying now. There should be any more pain for the former things are passed away and all that sort of stuff. Now let's go back to where I was saying here. Okay, so what was the point I was trying to make? Uh, I'm going to try to do this right. Let's go to here. Okay. Um, Well, that's chapter 20, so that's that's my point there. Now, the point I'm trying to make is, since 1 Thessalonians 4.16, let me go there, 1 Thessalonians 4. Really, I should do, hang on, let me let me go to a different verse. Let me go to um, 1 Corinthians 15.52, is that the right one? Yeah, okay. So, since this chapter, or this verse here says... In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Okay, so what is happening at the last trump? That's when Jesus comes down with us in tow, along with the armies in heaven. We're in a—I don't know what to call it. It's a heavenly body, but it's not a glorified body. Why? Because at the the marriage supper of the lamb, at the glorified, at the coronation, the only one that gets glorified there is Jesus. Then we ride behind him along with the armies in heaven. And then when he releases the morning star, I don't think it just goes to the center of the earth. I think, I think it goes to all of his creation. And then I found the scripture that says that Jesus will burn up the sun, the moon, and the stars. They will all dissolve. And I think they all dissolve in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And the only thing left is the earth, and there's one mountain on top of the earth. And up on top of that mountain is the new Jerusalem. And in the middle of the, or in the top of the new Jerusalem, that's the reason Jesus said uh, a city, a light of the city should not be hidden under a bushel, but she should be set on a hill. That's the hill. That's the, the analogy. So Jesus is going to be on a hill to be at the top of the new Jerusalem. And he will be the light of the world. Didn't just say the light of the earth. It's the light of the world. There is no more sun. There is no more moon. There is no more stars. And I might add, Lucifer, the beast. Well, Lucifer is tossed into the lake that burns the of fire and brimstone uh, a thousand years later, because he's loosed for a little time to bring those people that whose names are in the book of life, but they didn't take the mark of the beast. The nations, he brings them down to attack the new uh the, the, the holy city, and fire from God out of heaven devours them. Anyway, so so let me let me get to my point. So the sun, moon, and the stars are all dissolved, and the only thing left is the earth, with one mountain on it, with the New Jerusalem on top of that mountain, and then Lucifer, the beast, the false prophet, and all of those people that took the mark of the beast—they're all taught, to- They are are tossed into perdition, which is the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. They are tormented day and night with no hope of escape. No hope of escape. I'll show you. Ah. I keep hitting the wrong button. Okay, let's see. Uh, And uh, smoke of their torment. Here it is. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Let me back up, because there's more that I want to show you on that. Okay, the... The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark on his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, that's the morning star, which is poured out with that mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he should be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth out forever and ever, and they have no rest, no escape, okay, for all eternity, which is why I wrote the book, Missed the Mark. Which is why, by the way, it's it's outselling all the other three books. Missed the mark. a matter of fact, we're in the process now of, of getting it to switch over to... Uh... Well, the question was, is this after the two witnesses? Yes. Uh, let, me, let me take you back to my chart, if I can get there. Hang on. I'm going to try to do this right this time. Here. And here, no, I wanted to go to here, to here, to here, to here, there. Probably an easy way to do that, but I don't know how to do it. Anyway, so the two witnesses, no, this is the wrong chart. For the two witnesses, we need to go to this chart. Okay, so the seven seals, the voice told me, seven seals play over seven years and conclude here. The seven seals. Trumpets play over the last seven months and conclude on the same day. The seven vials play over seven days and conclude all at the same time. They all conclude the same day. Then, uh, as far as the, the the two witnesses, they arrive in the middle of the tribulation. They arrive in the middle. But what I'm talking to you about where at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that happens out here, which is, let me get this right, about, I think this through, About right in here, about the first or second trumpet. It might even happen out here. First or second trumpet somewhere right in here. So, yes, the two witnesses arrive here. And about four months before is when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then while all of this, all of this hell and all of this hell is breaking loose, we are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, that's not a rapture because we've all been tested. That's the reason it says, "and those that are ready went into to the supper." Okay, I'm about done here. Do I have another question? Okay, no, I don't. All right. By the way, I like that, Sean. Send it to me that way. I, I can I can see when I got a question come in. All right. Rapture. Let me show you another one of the rapture. Well, I only got eight minutes. All right, I'll show you, but I don't have time to explain it. So we'll go to Job 14, 12. Now, Job, you may be saying, well, who's Job? You know, I mean, was this guy somebody we want to listen to? Well, the scriptures say that the three most righteous men in the Old Testament were Job, Daniel, and Noah. So Job, yeah, pretty important. A lot of people think that was really the first or the oldest book written in the Bible. So anyway, Job. So man lieth down and riseth not. In other words, we die and we rise not until the heavens be no more and they shall not awake nor be raised out of the sleep. So it says that when we die, we are not coming out of our sleep until uh, the very last day. As in, that's the feast of trumpets there. We, <laughs> fortunately, we could get, go to the marriage separate lambs and not talking about that. This is talking about the feast of trumpets or Armageddon. But his point is, it's not a pre-trib rapture. It's not a mid-trib rapture. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave and wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be passed. Okay, what is his wrath? Well, pre-tribbers want to say, oh, it's the seven-year tribulation wrong. A lot of them want to say, oh, it's the last three and a half years wrong or even the last 100 days wrong. His wrath is this. <sighs> Morning star, just like he says in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last or the seventh trump. So it's saying, you're going to stay in the grave, except those that get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. See, this is the Old Testament. Okay, At this point, Job, and he is not part of going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is part of those that will be resurrected on the Feast of Atonement. Okay, So, hide me in the grave till I would keep me secret, until thy wrath be passed, and that thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me. So this is Job. But the point is, it still proves there's not a of rapture. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait until my change come. What change? Well, for him, being he is not one that gets to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But I mean, here's another thing. If you don't go to the marriage, are you the bride of Christ? Now think about that. If you don't even go to the marriage, how are you the bride? See, a lot of people want to teach, oh, well, if you just receive Jesus, you're the bride of Christ. Now, that's not correct. That's not correct. Um, Revelation 14, 13 says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, ye, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from the labors and the works do follow them. That's spoken. Well, here, I'll just show you. Revelation 14, 13. I'm running out of time quick here. Revelation 14, Let's back up to 12, let's say. Okay. This is the angel flying through the midst of heaven. And where he says, Fear God, and give glory unto him, for the hour of judgment has come. And the worship of him made heaven and the earth unto sea and the fountains of waters. I already talked about that. And they followed another angel came saying, Babylon is fallen. That's America. Now, right now, Vicki Parnell says that we have been had our name changed from America to become Babylon. And there's two is fallen. The first is fallen is because of the sins in the church. The second is fallen is at Armageddon or the Feast of Trumpets. And that's Jesus. And that's because America killed so many Christians, not only in America, but especially America, but around the globe. Babylon's fallen has fallen that great city. Why? We've already talked about this too. Saw it in another place. Because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them saying, With a loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark in his forehead and in the hand. Hang on here. Ooh, man, did I not show you that? Let me see where I am here. Oh, no, uh, here, hang on, I forgot to switch. I need someone to do this so I can just talk and someone else can do this. Sean, we may have to work it out for you to do this. All the time I've been thinking they were seeing this and they're not seeing this. Okay. Babylon is fallen, is fallen, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. We we read this another place. uh, Because we're the nation that corrupts the world. Then a third angel followed. If any man worship the beast in his image, receive his mark in his forehead and in his hand, the same should drink of the wine of the wrath of God that is poured out with that mixture into the cup of his indignation and should be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of the torment. See, we, we reread that. Uh, send it up forever and ever. And they have no rest. Or worship the beast, his image. Anyway. So, no. There's not going to be a pre-trib or a mid-trib rapture. As a matter of fact, I don't think Even us going to the marriage supper of the Lamb is an escape. I think at that point, most Christians will already be dead. And we will already be tested. We go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's a great rejoicing. And and let let me say one last thing, and then we're going to get started with our Bible study. It's 627. I think I love my pre-trib brothers and sisters. I love my pre-trib pastors that are out there. I, I, I love my, my prophecy teachers that are teaching a pre-trib rapture. I love them, but they're wrong. And I think they do great damage to people by telling them, because it's telling them, well, you don't have to worry about the last days. Oh, yes, they do. Tell them you don't have to prepare. Oh, yes, they do. You don't have to clean up your life. Yes, they do. If Jesus was willing to, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to experience the most painful death in human history. Who are we? Who are we to think, oh, well, he's not going to make me go through any testing. It's fine for him to die for me, but I'm not going to die for him. Isn't that selfish? Isn't, Isn't that what you'd call selfish? That's being very selfish. Seems to me like, like Revelation says, be thou faithful unto death. And I'll give the crown of life. See, a lot of people want to say, "Okay, let's see how's it worded." I'm running out of time. as I'm running out of time, okay, let's let's get started to the Bible study. I keep pushing the wrong button. Okay, let's go to Matthew six. Okay, so this is where we're going to start Bible study. <laughs> I hope you don't beat me up. too. look, you know, I it would be nice. If there was a pre-trib rapture, it would be nice if we didn't have to go through all this. The flesh would prefer it. But we're going to get more rewards if we do go through it. And as I've said many times, I believe what it takes to be an overcomer is that you see the beast, hear the beast, but you do not take the mark, his image, or the number of his name. That's the overcomer. Uh, So since the beast has not appeared on the earth yet, we don't have any overcomers, none. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. I don't think that that means that that you have to die, but I think that it does mean you have to see the beast, but resist what he's offering. Okay, so let's start. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because you were slain as redeemed as to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And Lord, we know that wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You remove the kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You reveal the deep and secret things. You know what is in the darkness and light, the light dwelleth with you. You did say, wherever two or more agree, two or more are gathered in your name, There you are in the midst of them. So, Lord, we ask you to be with every one of us, even though we're not together, even though we may be watching a recording of this. We may be watching a recording of many years long ago. But I ask your anointing to be with us. Open our eyes, help us to see, our spirit to understand, and to show us, help us to understand those things that you want us to know, to be prepared to be a minister in the time of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start with a bit of encouragement. So I just spent 10 days in Honduras. Let me try it again. 10 days in Honduras. And it broke my heart. I still can't even talk about parts of it. I'll just start crying. I came to discover what crying inside is. When you walk up to a situation where people are in total misery, have lived their life in total misery, and you know that you have been blessed. Believe me, living homeless on the streets of America is better than living a typical lifestyle in most of the rest of the nations of the world. So get to my point. I want to I want to tell you just how powerful, how important it is that we know the Bible. So I spoke in six churches, five TV stations, three radio stations in a 10-day period. So, I mean, I I didn't even know where we're going. I mean, I just got in the, the car, and they took me to the next place. Next thing I know is I'm out, and I'm being ushered to the front and handed a microphone. And, But I could sense the spirit. I could tell shortly, maybe even within seconds, but for sure a few minutes, how much the people in that congregation knew their Bible. A few of the congregations, not so much. A few of the congregations, yeah, about like an American congregation, but there was a few of them. And man, I mean, the anointing was really powerful. I mean, it was like Jesus walked into the room and you could tell those people knew their Bible, knew their God, and when it came time to praise and worship, yeah, there was. Here's what it would generally was it was an electronic piano hooked to a couple of great big speakers. And the, sometimes it was only one person singing and piano. Sometimes it was two people singing on a piano. One time they had drain, uh, drums, and that was the only time. But I saw these people sing and praise the Lord. It put me to shame. I, I I could hardly keep from falling on my knees and repenting, saying, Lord, I have not got close to you. I'm not close enough yet. And even my own congregation, I've got to talk to them about this. We got to get closer. These people live a life of misery. The humidity is 100%. I thought I had been in 100% humidity. No, I hadn't. I'd never been in something so miserable, so uncomfortable in my life. Even if it's 72 degrees, and that was only at night for an hour or so, but even if it's 72 degrees, you sweat constantly. We took a, a, bath, a shower four times a day. <laughs> in the morning, we got back home for lunch, and then uh, we got back home uh um, before we went to speak and then before we went to bed because you sweat. I sweat so much. My belt got so wet that it had a, that the the dye from the belt started coming out on the back of my shirt. So I had a ring across the back of my shirt. I didn't even know, you know, I'd never sweat. I mean, I play ragball, and never, ever sweat that much. Never sweat to where I was wet all over. And yet, I saw these Christians clutching their Bible because that's the only thing they had to hang on to. I saw them singing praise and worship songs at the top of their voice. And I stood up there and I talked from anywhere from 90 minutes to two hours. Not a person left. Not a person. And when it started, everybody was in their seat. They were waiting. These people were hungry, hungry for the power of God. What I saw is the thing that makes a difference in people's lives is how much they know the Word of God, period. Not preaching, not praise and worship, not even the prayer closet. Got to know the Word of God. It starts there. (sighs) What's the scripture? Hearing comes by the Word of God. We get to know God through His Word. And so the reason I do this Bible study, you know, obviously it's not to get more money. I don't even take an offering. It's not to try to entertain you. It's for me. I need it. Yeah, I study the Bible all week long. I prepare a sermon, da da da. I mean it lots. but I still need this. I need this time to read and study my Bible. What you're doing, I know it seems a little boring from time to time. And sometimes it seems like, oh, why am I doing this? You know, it's because it's going nowhere. Oh, yes, it is. What you don't understand is it's putting the word of God in you, deep in your spirit. And at the right time, the Holy Spirit can bring that back to you. And all of a sudden, you make the right decision instead of the wrong one. He speaks to you. He guides you. He becomes the lamp unto your feet, the light unto your path. He speaks to you. He blesses you. And it is extremely important that you come to these Bible studies. Sure, I'd prefer to take Leslie out and maybe, maybe got a bite to eat or something at a restaurant, you know. That thought occurred to me. No. So you're not the only ones being tempted with, uh, you know, why do we want to do this? Me too. I need it. So I figure if I need it, <laughs> you need it. Um, so let's get to the Bible study. And tonight, it's some real, real important stuff. Okay, so Matthew chapter 6. Take heed. As other words, pay attention. That's what he's saying. Listen. Listen carefully. It's important. Take heed that you do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, now what are alms? That's when we give to people, our giving. Uh, one, one time I, I gave a pretty good-sized donation, and it wound up back through the circle that I gave that. Leslie came to me, you what? <laughs> you gave what? Um, why didn't you tell me? I said, because the right hand's not supposed to know what the left hand does. Now, we've since agreed that we're... The most part going to talk. I I, I I I still have to say, honey. I mean, th- there's a time. I, I've just got a whatever's in here. And she, matter of fact, she walked in the door this morning. I guess it was. Are you thinking about giving this person? And I said, it's not in here. Whoops, it's not in here. Not in here to give. She says, well, if it comes in here, I want you to talk to me about it. Okay, fine. What I'm trying to say is, when we give. And I think that's one of the most powerful things we can do. I I wish I could talk to you about the joy of giving. I love giving when the Holy Spirit speaks to me here to give. I don't care what the amount is. I don't even, to a large degree, care what is in my account to give. And by the way, I, I don't necessarily give when I can afford it. But I also have to agree that it's been my experience that God is not necessarily obligated to cover hot checks. I found the hard way. So you got to have the money to give it. But uh, when he says give, and you may be saying, well, you mean God tells you to give? If your heart is to build the kingdom of God, you start asking him, Lord, show me somebody hurting. Show somebody that really needs maybe just 20 bucks at a gasoline station. Somebody has a they're run out of gas. Maybe they only need 10, 20 bucks. Maybe a whole lot more. But when he tells you to give, you give. I, I remember one time I was in the shower and the Lord spoke to my heart to give this person. And it was one of those. How much? <laughs> but God pays back. Uh, matter of fact, that's one of my goals. Uh, I'll tell you the story. So Prophecy Club back in the late 90s was trying to expand onto television. And so I, I gave a pretty large donation and I split it between two television ministries. I might add neither one of the na- of the television ministries ever bothered, bothered calling or ever bothered sending me a thank you, and that's fine with me. I, I wasn't looking for that. But about uh, two weeks later, we get a large donation and that large donation was almost exactly the amount that I just sent out. And about two months later, here come another one about the same size from the same guy. So at that point I called him and I got to know him talking with him. Well, after about the third or fourth donation came in, each one of them were pretty large donations I want to find out who this guy is. You know, who, who, who are you? What, what, what do you do for a living? I mean, and finally I came to the just blunt question how come, you can, how come you can give us these big, large donations? And he said, Well, I made a bet with God and I lost. What? He said, I bet God that I could outgive him and I lost. And it's kind of been one of my goals. I'm trying to get to the place to where I can try to outgive God. And I tell you what, so far in my little bitty attempts, it has not worked. Um, I, I wish I could tell you about all of them, but the right hand's not supposed to let the uh, the left hand know what's doing what it's doing. But what I am trying to encourage you: discover the joy of giving. Let me say it again: discover the joy of giving. Let me encourage and I'm not saying this trying to get a donation. I'm not. I don't have to ask you for donations. I just have to give when God tells me to give, and then he takes care of me. So, I would encourage you to do this. Pray, maybe every day for the next week, and say, Lord, show me somebody in need. Show me, Show me somebody that I can help. So much, it might even make him cry, and then get ready, because he's about to show you. And it's it's, you know, I started to say it's fun to see him cry. That that's not the right word. It's what I feel in here, inside of me. It's what I feel inside of me, when I know he spoke to me, and I gave what he told me. Even if they don't, and sometimes they don't even email. Sometimes I'll never hear from them again. That's fine. It's not my problem. I don't have to check back. Did you get it? I don't have to check back to say, what'd you do with it? None of that stuff. You said give, I give, done, period. And I forget about it. But then every once in a while, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if that, it did come back. But the only thing is, if I get three digits, generally three digits don't come back. Generally, it's four digits. Okay, you know i Okay, now let's go back. To what he's saying, he says, "Listen to me, or take heed, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your heaven of your father which is in heaven." Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, in other words, when you give, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself may reward thee openly. And I've got stories. I've got a testimony. I've got lots of testimonies of giving and of God return. Before I go on, I want to ask you one question. Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony where you gave? You knew God told you to give. By the way, it's not necessarily a church. But you gave when God told you to give. And it made a difference in someone's life. Do you have that testimony? If you don't have one of those, I encourage you to start asking God. Discover the joy of giving. All right, let's go on. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may see them then. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray unto the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which see thee in secret shall reward thee openly. Meaning when we're going to worship God in our prayer closet, if it's a place where we can be seen, that's not the prayer closet. If it's a place where we can be interrupted on a fairly regular basis, that's not a prayer closet. That's not a good place. We we want a place to where we're pretty certain no one is going to interrupt us. No one is going to know. I mean, every night not, I have to tell Leslie, you know, I'm going to pray most of the time I have to tell her. Uh, but she knows, I mean, been doing it 25 years, so she understands. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy father as in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they should be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. I don't know, maybe it had been six or seven years ago, my prayer closet one night, I just got sick and tired of praying and asking God to give money. I said, that's it. I'm not asking for money no more. I'm simply going to do what I know I'm supposed to do because I know you're going to do what you're supposed to do. And I discovered when I started giving, as he directs, everything else works out. For the most part, it works out better than I thought. So that's that's very important stuff right there. After this manner, therefore, pray you, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay, in other words, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when we are in eternity, it will be done on earth, the perfect will of God. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See, that if you look back at this, this whole chapter is talking about giving. This whole chapter is talking about helping your brothers and sisters, putting them in front of yourself. Look, let let, let, let me just say this. I'm about to say something that I know probably most people are going to disagree with. And I'm sad for that. But if you're having financial trouble... You're not going to like this. It's true. If you're having financial trouble, you're not giving enough. What? If you're having financial trouble, you're not giving enough. I will even say this, that have you found yourself in financial trouble because you gave? Oh, that's a good thing. I got a story on that too, but again, I can't tell you. I can't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. I'm only encouraging you, your financial problem, your solution is in your billfold or your purse. If you want your financial problems to go away, start helping someone else's financial problems to go away. I can give you lots of examples but then I've found the joy of giving. Have you found the joy of giving? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to fast. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But thou when thou fastest, anointest thy head, wash thy face, dress up, look nice. Don't tell anybody you're fasting. Don't let them know you're fasting. Because fasting is not to impress. Fasting is because, and I guess I probably ought to talk about that for a minute. <laughs> fasting is saying to God, this is how much I want you to hear me. This is how much I want you to answer this prayer. And there's been times where I've fasted and it wasn't over something real big. But then there's other times where I've fasted. As a matter of fact, I just got... with All of the Fast Gap team, so I'm not telling you anything that you probably don't already know, but the, what is it, 800 people on the Fast Gap team. We just completed a fast here, what, two hours and 50 minutes ago at four o'clock. This afternoon we we fasted for three days because I, I got in the spirit that there that there's about to be a cataclysm hit America. I don't know what the cataclysm is, I don't know when it's gonna hit, but I asked them to fast three days. So we just come off of a fast. And when I'm fasting and when it's from here, I mean it's a gut wrench when it's like ah, I don't get hungry. I don't get hungry. Well, Stan, I know you're fasting. You still want to go to lunch with us? Sure. Not going to bother you? No. You can eat right in front of me. Have a cake, ice cream, but don't bother me a bit because I'm in here. It's like, I mean, there's a a dogged determination in here. And when you got that and you're saying, I am not going to eat because I want you to hear my prayer, then you can rest assured your prayer is heard. Thou that appear... That thou appear not to men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now. Let me ask you about that second. What is your objective in life? I wish I was right in front of you. I ask him, "What is your goal?" Here's some things I would hear from some people. I would hear, "Well, you know, I mean, like my goal when I was young, when I was 25 years old and stupid, my my goal was, well, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 30." I heard somebody say that, and I thought that's a good goal. I think I like that one. So that was my goal. I wanted to be rich. That's a lot of people's goal. Wrong goal. Ask other people to go, well, you know, I want to get that next raise. I want to get the next promotion. I want to have children. I want to get married. Okay, There's all kinds of goals. My goal now is I want to see how many people I can get into heaven. God has told me that I'm called to build an army of end-time prophecy teachers working miracles. My goal is to see people coming down out of the bleachers, down onto the football field with big tears in their eyes, giving the heart to Jesus. My goal is to help Israel to become the richest, most powerful nation on the earth, present oil to Israel, to buy an airline, to find, fly, fly Christian Jews back to Israel from around the world, My goal is to serve the Lord. that's my goal. I think we should look to heaven's goals. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thine whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light... That is in the, the is in the. <laughs> Therefore, if the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, we need to be searching for the light. No man can serve two masters; either he will hate the one and love the other, or also he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and Mammon. Mammon, Mammon is money. In other words, we can't say, "I want to get rich and serve God." The people that the devil comes to in blackmail, he comes to them in things they want. What do you want? And if the devil were to come to me and say, what do you want? And I say, well, I want to win souls. Where does he get to take that? Okay. But if he comes to me, well, I want to be rich. I want to be famous. You know, I want to have an airplane. I want to have a, a house in Hollywood or something, you know, some kind of things like that. Then he can get me. See? So our, 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 objectives has to be set on heaven. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. We shall eat, we shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the year, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither do they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are they not much better than they? Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, Shall he not much more clothe you, O you little faith? So I guess I'm going to say, if you're having financial troubles tonight, I'm going to suggest a couple of prayers. I hope you're writing this down. I'm going to suggest you say, Lord, if there's anything in me that you would like to change, please show me and then grab hold because you're going to wish that your tray table's uh, we're in their upright, locked position, and your seat belts is fastened tight. I would also suggest that you start saying, "Lord, I want to help other people around me. Show me someone that is hurting, that is in need, someone that I can help." Those are just two prayers, but if you keep praying those prayers, oh, and here's another one: Give me someone that I can witness to. Someone that I can lead to you. Someone that I can pray the sinner's prayer with. Those three prayers, you keep praying those prayers and those those will make a change in your life. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of these things. That's another thing as I said, I stopped asking God for money. I stopped asking Him. Instead, I just start doing what I'm supposed to do, and then He sends it along. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things of the world is what it's saying, shall be added to you. Yet we tend to do it the other way around. We try to seek the things of the world, and then if we have time, you know, if we have time, we might read our Bible a little bit, and not go to church and you know maybe we do some praying backwards seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness in other words seek to walk in the steps of jesus putting the world and the things, things of the world behind us and then all of a sudden god will see that you get the things of the world but if you seek the things of the world first that's getting things out of order seek god first and then god will give you the things of the of the world Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye. Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. And boy, <laughs> I can sure remember times in my life, especially as a young man, when I'd read this, but I couldn't make it happen. Just couldn't make it happen. I kept seeing things that are wrong in other people before I could see the things wrong in me. That's one of the other things that I think Honduras ripped the last remaining things out of my heart because my heart is to help. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. I saw churches. You would walk into them and you'd say, I ain't standing here. I, they don't even have an air conditioner. Uh, those people sat for two, two and a half hours and sweat. They sweat. And you ain't never sweat like that. I never sweat like that. And they, because they they praised the Lord. They held on their claim to their little Bibles. And they sang at the top of their lungs. I remember there was 97 women at the women's meeting that day. Leslie and I turned to each other. eyes were big like that sick. are you hearing that? They only had one person behind an electric piano. That's all it was. They didn't have any words up on the wall. Their hands were in the air, and these ladies were praising and worshiping the Lord with all of their heart. And I turned to Leslie and I said, they're dusting us. Their praise and worship is light years ahead of what I've ever seen, any place. They are beating all of the Americans. That's another reason pre not it's just not right. These people live in misery. The only thing they have looked forward to is dying and meeting Jesus. But boy, they love the Lord. And they read their Bible and they study their Bible. I mean, you should have seen some. I had this one lady. It was a... I'll start crying. I had this one lady, a little old lady, came up. As I was talking, she kept punching her fist in the air. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She's on the back row. She came up and, of course, had to have an interpreter. She said, thank you. Thank you for so much for your message. And I looked and she had a little six by nine Bible in her hand. And it was all worn out. I said, may I see your Bible? She handed it to me. I started flipping through the pages. I said, this is a black belt. Now, of course, that's from my taekwondo days back when I was a young fool. (laughs) It was worn out. There was highlights. There was notes. and she, She didn't come with just her Bible. She came with a notepad, her highlighter, her pen, and she was making notes. To her, the most important thing in her life was learning that Bible, getting close to Jesus. I'm telling you, she dusted me. She left me in the dust. I saw so many people in Honduras that love the Lord so much. The hard times pushed them to Jesus. And so the people that believe that uh, they're not going to have to see hard times are just wrong. They're just wrong. Uh, reward unto her as she rewarded to you. Double and her double according to her works. In the cup that she has filled, fill to her double. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I said, a queen. And I'm no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine, as she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. That's talking about America. America has walked away from our God. We have walked away from our Bible. We need to grab our Bible again. We need to turn off the TV, turn off the cell phone, turn off things in the world. And we need to we need to spend some serious, serious time learning the Bible, learning the word, getting close to him. Because these Christians in Honduras, I've never seen a Christian in America like that. I've never seen them like that. And that's the reason I came back with my heart determined to tell you people that come to the bible study god bless you god bless you you're going to be blessed so much this bible study you're in is really 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 important as a matter of fact I'll say it's really more important than the prophecy club of course we prefer the stuff at the prophets club well you know we think I already read this stuff no we we don't have it in here not yet not deep enough Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shall thou see clearly to get the moat out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast ye to your pearls before swine. That's what I've been trying to do since 1987, ever since I heard Demetri Dudeman, I've been casting my pearls before swine. I've spent millions of dollars on radio and TV trying to get Americans to listen, and it was casting pearls before swine. And went here. Lest they trample under your feet, then turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. <laughs> and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, and we are, know how to give good ch- gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to him that asks? God wants to give us good things. I've seen it. I have seen it. Again, I can't talk about it. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do also even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. I've asked people, does the Bible say... Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, the correct answer is no, it doesn't say it exactly in those words, but there it is. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What Jesus is really saying is that when he has returned, when he's blowed his glory down, the sun, moon, and the stars have all dissolved. The earth is a nice round, smooth ball. There's one mountain and the new Jerusalem is on top of that. And Jesus is in the top of that. And he literally is the light of the universe, light of the world. He's the only light. Nothing competes with him. He's the only light. What is he going to do? It starts at the marriage supper of the Lamb. He comes forth and he serves us. So if we want to be like Jesus, whatever we would like people to do to us, we should do to them. And I have to say, I I feel guilty about that because Leslie is the best one I know to that. I mean, Leslie is constantly thinking over the people, constantly giving and helping and blessing and praying for. Um, In my opinion, she's the closest person that I know of to Jesus. And I'm a sad, distant, I started to say second, but more like third or fourth (laughs) compared to her. So she's she's a wonderful lady. Anyway, enter ye in at the straight gate. (laughs) For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Let's say it again. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, me there be that go thereat. Meaning, the easy way, if we take the easy way, then we wind up in hell. Albert E.M. Gray wrote a book. It's called The Common Denominator of Success. Back when I was in sales, I read part of the book. I read to get the point. He said, I was supervising a group of salespeople, and he said, it suddenly dawned on me That my job is to help them to be successful. And I don't really know what it takes to be successful. So I set out on a journey to find out okay, what is the common denominator? What is the thing that it takes for a person? Of course, his specific thing was to look about sales, but really it's about life in general. What is that thing that helps the successful person be successful? What is the thing that the failure, does not do. So he said, I found out. What he said was, the successful person forms the habit of doing the things that the failures won't do. Let me say it again. Successful people form the habit of doing the things that failures won't do. Then he went on to say that failures are motivated by pleasing methods. Successful people are motivated by pleasing results. Let me say it again. Failures are motivated by pleasing methods. In other words, they want the easy way. That's what that verse is saying. They want the easy way. The easy way is just do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. What is on your heart to do? You wind up in hell. What did I do wrong? You followed your heart because the Bible says the heart of man is continually wicked. Who can know it? When Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, there was a seed put in our spirit and that seed is the seed of the serpent. In other words, we got the heart of the serpent put into us and it's not, and we can't control that until we receive Jesus. Then we can control it, but it's not removed until we get the glorified body. Then it's totally removed. But until we receive Jesus, not only is it not removed, but it's still controlling us. We get free reign. We get, to drive our life <laughs> when we accept Jesus because he kills the serpent's seed, but he doesn't take it out. Here ye you at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, meaning there be that go thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life and few there be that find it. It's not easy to go to heaven. I remember one person said to me, Everybody thinks that they're doing the right thing spiritually. Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing spiritually. But of course, that's not true. Now let's go on. But beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. I've seen that. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. Even so every good tree that bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt every even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their th- fruits you shall know them. Now I'm going to tell you a little story. <laughs> This would have been around 2002, three, four, somewhere in there. We had this speaker in and God told me he was the wrong one to come in, but I wasn't sure I heard. And then we, I went ahead and invited him in and Leslie Ann had a dream that saying he was a bad apple but we didn't exactly understand what the dream was saying at the time. But God warned us, this guy's a bad apple. I remember I set up, he did a crusade for us in Detroit. He did one in Portland. As I recall, Portland had about 700 people at it. And the more I got around him, the more I started seeing what he was doing, I found him to be a flat liar. His fruits were not really there. I saw, yes, he could call people out. He could call out their illness. I saw him lay hands on them and reports of them being healed. And you say, well, the proof is in the pudding, right? Wrong, because his fruits were wrong. So I don't remember exactly what it was, but all i remember this specifically. Again, we were in Portland, 700 people at the meeting. I was in charge of the meeting. He was our guest speaker. And that's another thing. The people with the wrong heart get the biggest offerings. This guy got a $20,000 offering. We never get no $20,000 offering. Anyway, he he was in the front speaking. And I knew that a lot of what he was saying was just a big fat lie. And I said, I've had enough. So I was going to walk to the front of the room and I was going to walk up on stage and I knew exactly the little button in the back of the the audio receiver to push because it was my equipment. I knew it. If I push that button, even my team could spend 30 minutes looking for why they couldn't get a sound out of the microphone before they find out that little button, that little button got pushed. So I knew exactly how to mute his microphone. And I was walking to the front of the room. I wasn't going to say anything to him. I had a microphone in my hand. I made sure it was on and loud. And I told the people back, my people back at the the audio board, do not mute me. And I walked to the front. And about three-fourths away through the front, God knew what I was about to do. I was about to turn his microphone off. I was about to say, this meeting is over. I'm fed up with this guy lying to you. He is lying through his teeth. And I'm not going to put up with it again anymore. But about three-fourths away to the front of the room, the Lord spoke to me. And by the way, when God wants to really talk to you, Bub, he can talk to you. And there's no one has to tell you or introduce to you who's talking. You know it's him. And he spoke to me. He says, no, Stan. No, don't do it. And I'm, I'm still walking. I'm arguing with God. Why? This guy's lying. I know. I know he's lying. But you stopping the meeting would hurt too many tender hearts don't do it i'll deal with it fine so i stopped i did an about face i didn't want to so i walked to the back of the room i walked back in the audio i'll I'll tell you exactly what happened i walked back in the audio room here's my my, my 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 two sons and my daughter sitting there. My daughter does praise and worship. My two sons set the whole thing up, run the audio board and the video and everything. I didn't care. They're out there. I looked up at the ceiling and I said, God, if I'm wrong, judge me. But if he's wrong, judge him in Jesus' name. In other words, I want to know, am I in the wrong on this or is he in the wrong on this? Because one of us is wrong. This ain't right. Less than 30 days later, his right-hand man called me one day. He said, i got to tell you what happened. Did you hear what happened? No, I didn't hear. I got to tell you. He said, so we had a meeting and all of us absolutely crawled all over this guy. And we ripped him a good one because my wife came to me and confessed to me that he'd been getting her to go to bed. And I took it to the whole staff and then the tears started flowing because the other women of the other ministers on his team burst into tears. And they all started confessing that he had also been to the bed with every one of their wives too. In other words, this guy had been in the sack with the wives of all of his team members. He called, tell me. God was putting him in his place. God was bringing judgment to that ministry. There's an old saying that says you can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool all of the people all of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. I'm going to say you can't fool God any of the time. This guy thought he was going to fool God. See, this is a guy... That had evil fruit. Sure. To the people behind the microphone. He looked like he had a very powerful ministry. But his heart was wrong. I believe he's going to fall into that category. Which we're about to read about. Let me just go and go to it. Not everyone that saith to me. Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father. Which is in heaven. He wasn't doing the will of the father. Many will say to me in that day. Lord. Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I believe that unless this guy repents and turns around, and hopefully he has and will, I don't know if he has but I believe if he hasn't, that's going to be spoken over him. Now, we're not here to attack somebody else. We're here to look at our our own heart. What it's saying here is, do we have a moat in our eye and we're complaining about a splinter in someone else's eye? In other words, we have a telephone pole in our eye and we're complaining about somebody that has a splinter in their eye. Is there something in us that we need to change? That's one of the three prayers that I suggested that you pray is just say, Lord, if there's anything in me that you would like to change, speak to me. Show me. He'll show you. you might not like what he has to say, but he'll show you. Okay, let's see. Time is running. Let's move on. Hang on. Ah, right, Here we go. Therefore, whosoever heareth these these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded on a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass that when Jesus... Had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper, and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. And immediately this leprosy was cleansed. About three, I think it was a week before I went to Honduras, I brought a message. I'd done research into healing. And I discovered something I'd never seen before in the scriptures. Every time there was a healing in the New Testament, it was for one of two reasons. If it was a genuine healing from the Lord, it pointed to Jesus. Period. If it was a false healing of lying signs and wonders, it pointed to the Antichrist. Period. So that means... That healings do not come to start a big ministry, to call attention to someone's ministry, to call attention to someone. It's not even to heal people that need to be healed. It's one thing. Healings, signs, wonders, miracles are all to point to Jesus. If they don't point to Jesus, they're not of God. And he came to pass when he did these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. When he was come down from the mount, great multitudes followed him. And then he says, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to them, see thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. What did I just say? So he told the man, don't go out and brag about me. Instead, I want you to go tell the priest offer a gift, and it's going to be a testimony unto them. Why? Because he was trying to get the priests of the day to realize he's the Messiah, that the Messiah is here. He wasn't saying it directly, but his works were supposed to be saying it, and that's the reason the miracle was given. The miracle was given to point to Jesus. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came into him a centurion beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servants lie at home sick." of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said to him, All right, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And another come, and he cometh. And to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom, that would be the Jews, the children of Abraham, shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid, a sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed of devils, and cast out spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities. And bear our sicknesses. Now, when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Well, the foxes have holes, and the birds have, of the ear have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Okay, so what's he saying? He's saying, I can take care of you. When it comes to your giving, if I tell you to give and you give, I can take care of you. When it comes time for a place to you to eat and to drink, the things that you need, I'm quite capable of taking care of you. But the question is, are you walking with me? Have you followed my teachings and my laws? Are you in worship with me every day? Are you out in the world? Is your goal to make a million dollars by the time you're 30? Or is your goal to win souls? What is your goal? Follow me and let the dead bury the dead. He's saying, don't let the things of the world get in the way of doing what Jesus has asked us to do. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Behold, there rose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Now, of course, Jesus is God. (laughs) So God was asleep in the lower part of the ship. And we're not worried about the sea that Jesus, or God, created killing him. So I can understand why he's asleep. Lord, save us, we perish, he said, and then why are you fearful, O oh, you little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. He fed some three million people out in the wilderness, out of thin air, fed the manna for 40 years. Moses struck the rock. I've been to the rock. I've seen up inside the rock. I've climbed up inside the rock, and I can tell you, water did not come up from the earth. The water was formed out of thin air. Jesus capable of forming water right out of thin. Oh, yeah, he wouldn't do that for me. No, because you haven't done for him what he asks. If you've done for him what he asks, reading your word, memorizing, praying, fasting, all the things he tells you to do. If you've done what he's told you to do, then when you ask, he's going to do what you ask him to do. But me and Marvel saying, what manner of man is this? Even the winds and sea obey him. When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good, and, and there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the, disabled, the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of the swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they come out, they went into the herd of the swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything that was befallen to the possessed of the devils. Behold, the city, whole city came out to meet Jesus. When they saw him, they besought him, that he would depart out of their coasts. Why? Because they were trying to get rich before they were 30. They're trying to get ahead in this world. What they should have said is, how in the world did you have the power to do that? And then he, when he spoke, they should have sat down and listened to take notes. Behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. They besought him to depart from their coasts. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their face, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This mean blasphemous, because Jesus, knowing the thought, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and walk. But that thou might know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. Now, question. Why did Jesus heal the man who was watching? Who was watching? The leadership of the church. He was doing this another way of showing, I am the Son of God. I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. I, I have authority to forgive sins and I have authority to heal anybody and everybody of everything. All power in heaven and earth will one day be given to him. He rose and departed out of his house when the multitude sought their marble and glorified God, which had given such power into men. And Jesus passed forth from thence, and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the three seat of custom. In other words, he's collecting taxes. Named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. See, so that proves that there are people in the hour. No. I'm only kidding. Follow me, and he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what we meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. I remember walking into some really, really beautiful churches. Matter of fact, let me tell you a story about one. I was going to one church up in Omaha for a while, and there's a long time before I ever thought of being in the ministry. And it was a growing conversation or congregation and they had kind of an old rundown church and it had been filled and filled with people. They finally got enough people and enough money to where they built this nice big fancy church. And they were so excited to move into this big, nice new building. And I remember walking in there that Sunday morning, it was like, what happened? Because the same spirit that was at the old church went in the new church. In other words, it's not a building that brings in the spirit. When I was in Honduras, I'll tell you about one. Matter of fact, this is what I thought was the the most on fire church I went to. It looked like the church about five years before had got some money because I'm going to say it was about a 30, yeah, about a 30 by 50 building. It had cinder block going all the way around the foundation with just one cinder block. And then about 10 foot by 20 foot by 10 foot had the cinder block going up high enough to where they put a roof on it. But the roof was about, well, how do I say, it was about 18 to 20 inches higher than the wall. In other words, the wall did not seal at the roof. The roof was there, and so if it started raining, which it does a lot in Honduras, uh, then they wouldn't be rained on. But that's all it was—it's was just a block for rain because one whole side of the church had no roof; it was just open. It would be like having a church in kind of like just under in a carport, just having a roof. That's really had a roof and three walls. Yeah, that's why I say roof and three walls but that was the most on-fire church. It's not the building. It's the spirit of the people. And the spirit of the people is changed by how much they know the Bible. I saw that. You, you folks come to the Bible study, do not quit. Do not leave it. It may not be everything you want. might not be exciting all the time, but I'm telling you, the Word of God is getting in your spirit, and it's crawling around. Is making some needed changes that we all need. Stick with it. Then came the disciples to John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said to them, Can the children of the bridegroom, excuse me, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then they shall fast. So since Jesus was there, they didn't have to fast. But when he left, then, of course, we have to fast. He said, No man putteth a piece of a new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in it to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. In other words, Jesus can't take this heart-beating, blood-pumping, flesh-and-bone body, and out of it make a new, eternal, glorified body. He has to start with a whole new body. That's what he's really saying. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. So he doesn't put new power into a flesh and blood body that can't handle it. I assume that it would be like the morning star. We would just burn a pile of ashes and bones and fall to the earth, except for Jesus gives us a new glorified body. That's what he's saying. Neither do men put wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. And the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. That new, that morning star, when it hits us, we get a new body, an eternal body. While he spaketh these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus rose and followed him. And so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I should be whole. But Jesus turned about when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Now, question, were there other people touching Jesus? Yes. So does that mean that everybody who touches Jesus gets whole? No, it means their faith. We've got to have faith. But Jesus turned about and said, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith has made thee whole. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels of the people making noise, he said to them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, in other words, Jesus in this case didn't want to call attention to himself. So he put the people out of the room. He went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. They touched then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame into all the country. And they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man, possessed of a devil. When the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. Now, here comes the reason. But the Pharisees. But the Pharisees, okay, so these are the negative tears that are in the church today. They don't believe. I might even say there are some of the people that preach and teach a pre rapture that don't want the people to be prepared, don't want the people to be um, prepared. I'll just say it that way. But the Pharisees said, he casts out devils, but through the prince of the devils. And Jesus went out all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as the sheep have no shepherd. Let me back up. Okay, so this example of the blind man and this example, both the reason those healings took place, same reason. To point to Jesus. So Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was trying to get them to see he is the Messiah. He is God without him saying it. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. And when he called unto him, his, his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Church, I grew up in, said, oh, well, all of that stopped with the twelve apostles in the upper room. True? Not true. As a matter of fact, there wasn't just twelve apostles in the upper room, there's hundred and twenty. And I can show you scriptures that some 40 years later, they were still getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're still seeing miracles. I mean, I saw a miracle when I was in Honduras, saw several. A miracle is not always just bringing somebody out of a wheelchair. Yes, I saw a video of that. I told you the story. Now, the names of the 12 apostles were these. Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the Publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebeus, whose surname is Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus brought Jesus forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Aren't you glad that was changed? But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely you give. Now, why? Why? He sent them to Israel. In Israel, they must see a sign. So he sent with them signs. As I've said many times, April the 8th, 2015, Saturday night, Lord what do you want me to say for the sermon tomorrow morning? And I heard words, said, This is the time of miracles. As the miracles hit, excuse me, as the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, no one has seen the kind of miracles. You tell them I'll never leave them nor forsake them. And I'm going to meet the devil, free, and step for step, pound for pound, everything he does, I'm going to meet him. We are the last generation. And we are about to be hit with great signs, wonders, and also great lying signs and wonders. It's a two-sided coin. We get hit with both. And we've got to discern. If the miracles point to Jesus, they're of God. If the miracles point to the Antichrist or the beast, they're of Satan. Simple as that. You'll be able to spot them. You'll know them by their fruits. So you see this whole Bible study tonight helps us get grounded, helps us put down roots so when the wind blows and the rains come, our house doesn't fall. Now let's go to the next verse. Matter of fact, let me reread those. Those are so good. Go ye not in the way of the Gentiles and into the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. Now later, when um, the the, the gospel was given through Peter, what's the other name? uh, name. I'm drawing a blank and almost there. But anyway, later, when you remember the, the, the beast uh, in the sheet was let down and they knocked three times, Cornelius, there you go. That's when the gospel was sent to the Gentiles. If not, you and I probably would not have heard of Jesus. Anyway, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely received, freely given. Provide neither gold or silver nor brass in your purses. Now, a lot of people that don't want to give to the kingdom of God say, oh, there it is. See, we don't have to give. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to take care of you. And he's going to take care of you. But if you want to be blessed, ask God, where do I give? And by the way, <laughs> that's optional giving. The mandatory giving is 10%. That's the way I look at it. Now, there's nothing in the New Testament. Let me say it again. There's nothing in the New Testament that says you got to give 10%. But if you're smart, you look at what the examples in the Old Testament, that's just a minimum. Okay. That's a minimum. And then the other is above. That's for blessings. All right. Let's go. Nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither two shoes, neither shoes nor staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And in whosoever city or town, you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. When you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. We were praying for a lady. We were asked to go over to this other house. It was about a 30-minute drive, but it was someone that was very close to the ministry team. That's probably all I should say. And this lady was sitting in a wheelchair and you could tell she was on her last leg. And I think there was like five of us laid hands on her to pray for. And we prayed and prayed and prayed. And after we got back in the car, Leslie turned to the rest of us and said, I felt the anointing come back to me. The Lord was willing to, Heal her, but the anointing came back, the healing came back, so she's not healed, and so she won't last very long. I think that's amazing, but I also think that there's a lesson in that, and that is we have to have faith for the healing to come into us, or it returns, and in that case, it just returns, and probably the lady won't last long. When you come to a house, salute it, if the house be worthy, let your peace come up, and if it be not worthy, let your peace return to it, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words. We need to part out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I sent you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I see we just lost Facebook or something. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils. Oh, it, it, that is, unless you, you believe in a pre-trib rapture. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I love my pre-tribbers. I love them. I love them. They're wrong, but I love them. But, of men, but beware of men, for they deliver you up to, be, to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues, and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And when they deliver you up, take no thought, how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given unto you that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now that is a misunderstood verse. See, We American Christians, we modern Christians, have developed the phrase, are you saved? But that's not exactly the right question. Maybe we ought to be asking, do you have Jesus in your heart or is your name in the book of life? Because it says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, that sounds like if you survive through all of the tribulation, if you make it to Jesus returning, then your name is put in the book of life. That's not correct. We have misused the word "saved." So what it's saying is he that endureth to the end will be given an extra 1,000 years to live if they don't take the mark and if they don't uh, receive Jesus. There are the corners not harvested. They're allowed to live up to 1,000 years. That's what it means. They should be saved, saved from the wrath, but they're not giving eternal life. The only ones whose names are in the book of life, are the only ones who get the eternal life, period. I mean, it says it very plain. I'll read it again. When they persecute you, oh, excuse me. And you should be hated of all men from thy name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be allowed to live a thousand years through the millennium. But their name's not put in the book of life. They aren't given eternal life. That's not what it means. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. For it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If it be called the master of the house of Beelzebub, how much more shall they call him of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered and nothing shall be revealed and hid that shall not be known. Let me read that again. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known, except, there's another place that says this, except those things that are covered by a garment. That means the wedding garment. Everything else, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, we're going to be able to see. When the morning star hits us, and out of our belly flows rivers of living water, and in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last of the seventh trump, we get our glorified body. At that instant, we come out of time. And the way I use to explain it is at that time, we are given like a, I don't know if you can see this. I want you to see it, so let me click on this. There you go. We're given like a, (laughs) how do I do this? You can see. (laughs) You can't see it. Yeah, okay, like a fishing pole. In other words, at that point, you're able to look any place along time, that timeline from Adam all the way back. You're able to see anything and everything you want to see. That's what it's saying here. Now let's go back to this. Yeah, there we go. There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, that speak ye in the light, what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not my are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. So, a Muslim, they can deny all if they want to. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make a difference whether they accept him or reject him, right? They're going to the same place. But Christians, we can't deny Jesus. By the way, I want to say something else it appears so, now there's not scripture to this, but it appears so that a devil can't say the name Jesus. So if there's ever a time and you want to know if they are for Jesus or against Jesus, just ask them, say, say, Jesus is Lord. If they're of the devil, they will not be able to say it. Jesus is my Lord, say it, and they won't be able to say it. But whosoever shall deny before men, him will also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I'm come to send peace upon the earth. I'm not come to send peace, but a sword. For I'm come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's foes, listen carefully, a man's foes shall be they of his own household. When Prophecy Club started, the guy at the radio station that invited me to start the Prophecy Club Said your problem is not going to be with the Christian, not not going to be with with sinners attacking you. Your problem is going to be with the Christians attacking you. And that's true. We get absolutely no trouble from the world. All of our trouble comes from other people that think that they are Christians. A man's foes shall be of they of his own household. And he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me he is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Is that saying if we don't serve the Lord, is that saying if we don't win people to him, we're not worthy of him? He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. That means if you take the mark so you can save your life, you lost your eternal life. Many times, there's many, many people through generations that have had denied Jesus and lose their life or lose their life and they lost their life rather than deny Jesus. He that receiveth you, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. He that receive a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth the righteous man in the right name of the righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. All right, so there we go. That's the end of the chapter. So and that's a good time. My voice is gone. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Talk for, what, two hours this time. Two, an hour, two hours, 15 minutes. <sighs> anyway. Well, Sean has not sent me over that there's any questions. So I assume there's not any questions. Oh, here, wait. Wait, let me check one place. Yeah. 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 Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I know that you love every one of these people. And these people have endured, and their, their heart is to get close to you. The heart is to learn your word. So, Lord, I ask you to put in their heart to get away from the world and the things of the world that do so easily beset, and that you would call them into a closer relationship with you, to hear your voice. Call them in to read and to study your word. Show them what to read. Help them to form a prayer closet. Help them to get close to you, to hear your voice. And help them all to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm not clicking the right here. we got to click there. I do think I'm going to be going to Israel soon. I don't know when, but I think it's soon. Okay. God bless. See you next Friday.